Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to From Complex to Queens, Amazing Avenue's minor league podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos and Ken Levin and Thomas Henderson. How are you guys doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, good. good. I've been sick all week. Oh, damn. Yeah. That's not good. No, that has been great. Well, I think that, that this ensuing discussion that we will have will really brighten your spirits and make you feel better and uh-huh yeah look look man the Mets aren't playing the Phillies are about to win a World Series the Sixers look really bad for some reason this is not a great sports time in the weird f- section of fandom I have freaking Phillies man fuck the Phillies they really came out of nowhere like what the fuck yeah that's Shit happens. Yeah. DLDR, stop trying to predict the fucking playoffs. You cannot predict the playoffs. It is a meaningless sample. Anything can happen. I would bet money if the Mets ever win. It's They sneak in with like 85 wins. Oh, yeah. <laughs> with some awful bullshit roster. And like some random player goes off <laughs> and they just win a World Series. I mean, that's almost what happened in 2015. Basically. Yeah. Yep. There is no art, and I, we're derailing things before Steve even gets into anything he wanted to talk about today. Um, like, there is no arguing that I, I think that the Dodgers are the best organization in baseball at this point. 
in basically arguably every facet of the game, and you could probably quibble here and there, but their regular season record speaks for itself, and they have won World Series in that time. Like, you cannot predict the playoffs. It's impossible. Yeah. I mean, the Yankees have 10 consecutive playoff berths since their last World Series victory, whatever it's been. I don't even know. But, I mean, they're the Yankees. Let's just let's just put it like that. And they have mm-hmm. one World Series in the last, you know, 20 years. Yankees fans are not happy about that. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the Astros seem to be the exception. Where they win. And even then, they only won one. And they've been to, like, a million ALCSs in a row. Mm-hmm. My, my only real thought on the Phillies possibly going to the World Series is that um, they really kind of did a lot. Uh, to make the team better as they went. Sure. Um, and so I can't really quibble with, you know, that team. <laughs> it's uh, also this Phillies team. Is kind of to, to go. <laughs> this Phillies team is like kind of funny. Like. Oh, objectively it's just, so. It's just a weird team. Like you just look it's at them. Beefy like, boys who have <laughs> no um, real value other than they can hit sometimes. It's a deceptively good lineup, I think, overall, top to bottom. At the risk of alienating our listeners even more than I usually do, Bryce Harper has, like, quietly always been one of my favorite non-Mets. Like, I just love Bryce Harper. I was very pissed when the Mets didn't even think about trying to sign him. Yeah, it just kind of hit his face, you know? See, I I get that, but he's also, like... To my knowledge, never done anything particularly bad. Like no, no, he's just like um, just like an annoying player. Yeah, look, he looks like a douche, but I, it's not that I just love watching yeah, yeah, his yeah. swing. It's extraordinarily. I've always found it so much fun to watch. Just the amount of controlled violence there, and also he's gotten way too much hate in his career for how good he's been. So, you know, I wish it was. I just wish he wasn't on the. Fucking Phillies, man. <laughs> mm-hmm. God damn. Well, maybe one of the players that the Mets sent to the Arizona Fall League will develop into the next Bryce Harper. I'll take the under on that. Vassell. It's going to be Mike Vassell <laughs> after the position change. And Mike Vassell is going to blow out his elbow next year, struggle for two years to rehab it, never get back, return as a – that would make him 27-year-old to high A – uh, and become a left-handed masher, yep. uh, taking the league by storm as a 30-year-old. You heard it here right. first. That's that's a bold prediction. <laughs> and you can't even track it for like five more years. <laughs> I know. Yep. By that time, I'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully. Well, the Peoria Javelinas have been playing like they're dead. They were undefeated in their first week, and then they were 2-10 and ten in their last 10 games. So they're slipping and they're under 500 now and 8 and 10 on the season. Um, first Mets player that went, Stanley Consuegra. He is currently hitting 188, 263, 516 at bats with two doubles, a homer, no steals, and one walk to six strikeouts. Kevin Kendall is currently hitting 286, 444, 405, and 42 at bats with two doubles and a homer and three steals. And he has nine walks to 12 strikeouts. Brandon McIlwain is currently hitting 162, 229, 364 in 33 at-bats 
with a double, a triple, a homer, and one stolen base. And he has one walk to 11 strikeouts. And last but not least is Luke Ritter. And he is currently hitting 069, 143, 069 in 29 at-bats. No extra base hits, no steals, and three walks to 11 strikeouts. Any... Thing interesting going on with any of these guys that you want to talk about? I hope they're having fun. Because <laughs> all right, yeah. I don't care about the AFL at all. No, no, no. Just... Like I don't want to see the Luke Ritter line. Like that's bad. But <laughs> <laughs> like that's just objectively bad, no matter what. But I, I, everything I think, else, whatever. I think Luke Ritter might not be a real prospect, guys. Yeah. Just, just, mm. just a hunch. Well, we'll see. Consegra is, like, not doing awful, which is fine. Like, he's not striking out a million times. I'll take that as a win. And he's striking out a lot, but not, like, as much as, I don't know, I'm going to pick a name out of my hat, like Nick York or something, or uh, Davison De Los Santos. So, like, he's doing fine. He's striking out less than Jason Dominguez. That's good. All right, now looking at the pitchers, <clears throat> Grant Hartwig, he's appeared in five games, and he's a 491 ERA in 7.1 innings with eight hits allowed, two walks, and seven strikeouts. Franklin Sanchez, he's appeared in three games, and he has a 12 ERA in three innings with four hits allowed, four walks, and three strikeouts. Oof, Christian Scott. He's appeared in three games, all three of them have been starts, and he has a 12.54 ERA in 9.1 innings with 21 hits allowed, three walks, and four, uh, nine strikeouts. Mike Vazel, the future Bryce Harper, has appeared in three games, two of them starts, and he has a 4.82 ERA in 9.1 innings with seven hits, five walks, and nine strikeouts. And last but not least is Josh Walker, and he appeared in four games, and he's a 4.50 ERA in six innings with five hits allowed, three walks, and six strikeouts. Uh, you could not pay me to care about pitching in the AFL. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Full stop. I like. Don't, yeah. I can muster up a little bit of care that's not the word i'm looking for a little bit of investment in the hitters i could not care less about anybody pitching in the afl this is literally where players go to learn new pitches to tweak mechanics to try new things to see how they work the league's also on the fucking moon and every pitcher is either exhausted or coming back from injury so and also, like, yeah, like, to, to the exhaustion point, like, these guys never played this much baseball. And these pitchers, especially. Not saying that it's unhealthy for them to do this, but they're pushing themselves physically. And just don't get hurt. <laughs> yeah, don't get hurt is, is right. All right. Um, so this week we're going to review the Binghamton Nets. God damn it. But before we do, there's a couple of other minor points that we we'll talk about this week. Um, first one with the Mets knocked out of the playoffs with the world series just about here. We have a lot more clarification about the 2023 draft order. So assuming that the Mets don't make any free agent signings and forfeit their pick, 
or that other teams ahead of them don't do anything. Um, the Mets are going to be picking 22nd overall with their first pick. And weirdly enough, the team has existed for like 60 something years now, but they've never selected 22nd overall. So if they do, this will be, you know, you'll, you'll be listening to live history as we record on draft night. I kind of hope they don't. I know that I, they should absolutely sign a free agent to take this pick away, but if they don't, it'll be funny for me to write the first 22nd overall pick in Mets history in every minor league report (laughs) for an entire year and maybe even more. So Mm -hmm. that'll be fun. Until he gets traded for Shohei Otani. Uh, oh, okay. Well, as long as it's Shohei Otani and not like anyone bad. Darren Ruff. <laughs> <laughs> the QO, I'm trying to think of the QO free agents who are going to be worth signing this offseason aside from Aaron Judge. It might not be anyone, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. I'm like drawing a blank. It's just kind of a weak free agent. Who could I mean, the Mets need them? to spend money, but a lot of it needs to be on their own guys, it feels like. <laughs> Just looking at the the free agents and stuff, if they don't sign Judge, which I don't think they're going to, I think the big splash would be a trade if yeah. they make another one. And like bringing back all three of Nimmo, DeGrom, and, and Diaz. Which Yeah, exactly. Like that's your – because and, and that's not the worst big splash in the world. No, I mean that's, that's also a lot – I know Steve Cohen has more money than God, but I'm not going to complain if they're – spending close to 300 million dollars like they which they'll have to to get all those guys back. Mhm. Like I don't think you could go sign Jose. They might make that pick. All right, we're going to have a new 20 seconds new uh tidbit to drop in every farm report forever like uh <laughs> Thomas said. Well, if they do make that pick, the player might develop into somebody who is worth billions of dollars in the future. Um bunch of 22nd round guys have gone on to have great careers. Craig Biggio is the only Hall of Famer in the group, but you could also make the case that Rafael Palmeiro should be there too. So two with an asterisk Hall of Famers have been selected 22nd overall. And mostly it's just been guys that have been, you know, solid, if unspectacular names. Um, Bruce Hurst, Marcus Stroman, Colton Wong, Jeremy Guthrie, Jason Wirth, you know, um, I'd be Obviously. broke with Marcus Stroman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ugh. As long as you know we get mean. Marcus Stroman minus the uh, – uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, I'm just no, – I'm not going there. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, if they, if they if they make the pick and – excuse me, if they keep the pick and make the selection 22nd, not bad. And obviously if they make a big free agent signing and lose the pick, well – they just, you know, got a pretty good major leaguer in all likelihood. So either way, it's win-win. Ending our previous discussion, I forgot to mention Trey Turner as a guy that'd be worth the pick. But honestly, they should just go sign Carlos Correa because there's no pick attached to him. Mm. Yeah, haven't played third. Yeah, put Beatty in the outfield. Or, you know, DH, it's fine. At that point, you could just DH him. Yeah. Because you don't need to spend on your DH. You're already spending on the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Having redundancy is a good thing. Yep. And also guys get hurt. Like Carlos Correa gets hit by a pitch and he has to miss a month. Then Carlos like, Correa just gets hurt, period. Yeah, he's not the healthiest man in the world. And The yeah. current 22nd ranked prospect in the draft per Baseball America, <laughs> Yohandi Morales. A third baseman from Miami. 
Mm. I know nothing about this player. I, I've seen him a, a good amount. Uh, uh-huh. He's good. That's pretty he's, random. Yeah. Uh, how did that happen? Ken bringing um, up the Yohandi Morales scouting you know, report. I, I, get, uh, I get very into um, like college baseball for like a week when the season starts because I'm mm-hmm. like baseball starved and uh, right, it's right, the right. only kind of semi-interesting thing that's on TV. So I do like all my draft prep like immediately. Mm. Um, which is a flawed process, but such a <laughs> guy had a uh, big yeah, first week, first overall pick. They had um, two like highly, highly. They had like the best recruiting. That was the year that I, I got into Adrian Del Castillo. Mm-hmm. Ah. And uh, so I was watching and they had like the best recruiting class uh, in the country that year. Because of you know, Handy Morales and um, two of the top 10 pitchers, one of which. I think was drafted somewhere and the other um, is eligible this year, I think because he transferred to Oklahoma. Uh, Victor, one of them is uh, Alejandro Rosario and the other one is uh, Victor Medeiros, maybe, I don't know. Uh, But yeah, this kid is a freshman was uh, in that same lineup with Del Castillo and just raked the entire time. Uh, So Remember thinking, right. here's a freshman in, you know, a pretty good conference, uh, just immediately looking like the best player on the field. To back well, again, scouting report up. He hit 284, 343, 531 as a freshman, and then last year hit 329, 411, 650. So, it's pretty good. Bad. I'd still rather have Trey Turner, I think. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I will Turner's say, guy, I think. It, it was, it, w- it would have been... I think there was a legitimate discussion to be had whether it was worth signing a QA, QO free agent last year when you would lose the 14th pick. Uh, like, I, th- I think that's actually a discussion worth having. Uh, very little to discuss with regards mm-hmm. to the 22nd pick. In mm-hmm. the- yeah, no, who cares? Yeah, mm-hmm. like at that. You can get uh, a pretty good player, but the risk, yeah. no, the risk is uh, significantly higher. Like, obviously, don't give it up for Michael Kadire, though that doesn't happen with the modern QO system. But, like, also, like, at the end of the day, if the Mets are going to be serious about being Dodgers East or whatever, mm-hmm. they're going to pick so late all the time anyway that they're going to have to do a lot of player development stuff to even. They're going to have to hit on third, fourth, fifth round. Yeah. Picks. Like, mm-hmm. like, it's, and the Yankees, too. Like, the, the Yankees never pick early. And,. They always have good farm systems and have homegrown players, and it's not always perfect, but it's better than what the Mets do. And you know what I mean. And the Mets are going to have to. The Mets are not going to pick at the top five of the draft and get. That's that's not how they're going to build their farm system. And they're not going to trade guys away in sales either. They're going to have to. They're going to have to develop mid mid round guys and late first. So if you're you're gonna, they're going to have to. They're not going to be able to keep QO keep themselves away from QO free agents every year if they want to win. That's just not sustainable. No. Well, that is a good segue because the second thing that we have to talk about this week has to do with the Mets developmental pipeline. And um, Billy Epler is bringing in his own guys, and the Mets have not renewed the contracts of a bunch of their minor league coaching personnel. Um, First guy up is Tim Tuffle, who spent the last couple of years as a minor league infielder, uh, coordinator, but he's also been a team scout and he's been a manager. Next is Phil Reagan, who's been a uh, coaching, a pitching coach, and he was the last Mets uh, minor league director of, excuse me, uh, senior pitching director. 
uh, Hugh Quattlebaum, who was the Mets minor league hitting director. Brian Schneider, who was a coach and was the last uh, St. Lucie Complex field coordinator. And last is Andy Chavez, who was also a coach, and he was last the St. Lucie Complex outfield instructor. So, you know, I, I think outside of these guys being names that we know and some of them having sentimental value, it's kind of like, eh, whatever. But yep. I do have some reservations about Phil Reagan being let go. Yes, but I was going to say that. Yeah, but at the same time, though, I mean, he is like 85 years old. Maybe he just doesn't want to work anymore and more power to him if he doesn't want to work anymore. Because he certainly earned it. Maybe, yeah. Maybe that'll come out. Like, Reagan also, like, what is he going to do? Just hangs out in the complex and helps people or whatever. But yeah. the rest of them, it's... If you want the Mets to do the wholesale player development changes, they're going to have to get rid of all these guys to do it. Like, that's just the... They no one develops, so you lose your job. That's life. Yep, exactly. And oh. Quattlebaum was the hitting coach or whatever in last year, right? After yes. uh, Chili got fired, and he was awful. Like yep. it was a disaster. So I could have seen that one coming a mile away. Yeah. Basically, the only reason for like you know people who are not familiar with Phil Reagan, you know, he's been around for a million years, but he's basically been the What's a good way of putting it? He, he's basically been involved in some way or another in the successes of the noteworthy guys from the Harveys and the Wheelers and the Mats and the Syndergaards and the DeGroms from like, you know, 2010 on to all of like the low-key guys that have kind of just logged a few innings in the majors but have shown themselves to maybe be like semi-effective guys. You know, he's been involved in all of these guys and he gets pretty much universally positive review, reviews. So... You know, obviously, there's a lot more that goes into, you know, turning a raw guy like a Matt Harvey into the star Matt Harvey or DeGrom into the star DeGrom and everything like that. It's more than just one guy saying, hey, why don't you do this? But, you know, having that decades of experience and coaching experience and so many successes, it's it's definitely going to suck if they can't replace him with somebody that is... Or, or can be on that level. My only reservation with all of this, I do not trust Epler to hire his own guys. All these other guys are like pretty nondescript. And Reagan is 85. And I think there's something to be said about going with maybe a more modern mind. Uh, his his longstanding experience notwithstanding. Um, but I have no no great trust in Billy Epler to, to in Billy Epler's guys to be the people to improve the Mets uh, player development. Now, who knows if it's actually going to be Billy Epler making these hirings? Uh, a certain uh, 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 other executive whose name may rhyme with uh, David Mearns could be taking over the team in like a month. So, yeah, that'd be dope. Well, We'll see. Do not aggregate this. I'm just wildly speculating. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Chumba. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. So <clears throat> this week we are going to continue reviewing the Mets affiliates. And last week we started with Syracuse. So we're going to continue going down. And this week we are going to review the Binghamton Rumble Pony season. And as a refresher, they went 53 and 83 on the year. 28 and 41 in the first half, and then 25 and 42 in the second half. They finished dead last in both halves. In the first half, they were 16 games behind the Somerset Patriots. And then in the second half, they were 19 games behind the Portland Sea Dogs. They were lousy in April. They were lousy in May. They were lousy in June and July and August and September. And they were just a lousy team, period. And I think... That was a little bit surprising because for the majority of the season, the Rumble Ponies did have the big three of the Mets prospects, Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, and Ronnie Mauricio. And for the most part, those guys were pretty good. Um, Alvarez appeared in 67 games for Binghamton and hit 277, 368, 553 with 18 homers, which is good for a 146 WRC+. Beatty appeared in 89 games and hit 312, 406, 544 with 19 homers, which is good for a 160 WRC+. And Mauricio appeared in 123 games, and he hit 259, 296, 472 with 26 homers, which is good for a 105 WRC+. But obviously, three guys is not uh, a team make, and the rest of the team that was surrounded by the rest of the team was crummy, basically. They were surrounded by teammates that did not have good seasons. So here's here's um, here's a little quiz here. So Alvarez, Beatty, and Mauricio were, you know, one, two, three in OPS. Among the guys that were on the team and, you know, more or less had qualified seasons, because that's kind of very fluid in the minor leagues. Who do you think were four and five? Four and five? Mm-hmm. In OPS. Hmm. I mean, Sanger wasn't good. Cortez wasn't there long enough to qualify, I don't think. No, he was one. Cortez came in fifth year. Oh, okay. Um. Basically, first was um, first was Beatty, second was Alvarez, third is Mauricio. And fifth is Cortez. So who slots in between Mauricio and Carlos Cortez? <laughs> uh, Luke Ritter? Unfortunately, no, it was not Luke Ritter. Damn it. Mangum wasn't there for long enough. I'm out of guesses. And he was hurt, right? Like, Mangum didn't yeah. really, He had, a, like, a weird... <clears throat> so it was... Wyatt Young. Oh... In OPS. Okay, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. He hit 257, 353, 380. He had a one, uh, excuse me, a 733 OPS. 
And Cortez hit 241, 316, 413, and had a 728 OPS. Credit where credit is due. I mean, Wyatt is, I think, exceeding all of our expectations. You know, he's uh, he was drafted last year. He's a 22-year-old. He has a collective 270, 369, 383 ERA, excuse me, batting line in the upper minors, you know, Binghamton and Syracuse over the last two years. Obviously, though, the ceiling is is low. Nobody's expecting him to go out and become a bona fide major league somebody. And that is the problem with basically the entire Binghamton team is just yeah. low ceilings, everybody low ceilings. He and might those, have one of the highest ceilings on that team, which yeah, yeah. like mm-hmm. which is if you want to talk about problems, because he's a fine little player who the organization will definitely get called up for a week or two every year, but he's not he's not even going to be Luis Guillorme, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it was just that roster was just trash. Um, the team as a whole. And that includes now the guys that actually, you know, that includes Beatty and Alvarez Marusio that actually hit decently. As a whole, the team hit 236, 322, 385, and they were the fourth worst offense in the Eastern League. So, not great. But don't worry, guys. Pitching was better, right? No, it wasn't. (laughs) No, it was not. Jose Budo was the best pitcher Binghamton had. You could just stop the discussion right there and you paint the <laughs> <Yes. an> accurate <laughs> picture. Budo posted an even four ERA in 92 innings, um, made 18 starts, allowed 86 hits, walked 35, struck out 108. And we discussed last week how crappy the Syracuse pitching situation was, and Binghamton is worse. Their main starters were Jose Budo. Then they also had Jose Chassin, Alex Valverde, David Griffin, Jesus Vargas, and Alec Kissina, and they posted a collective 583 ERA. Is that good? I, it unfortunately is not. But it gets no. better, though. It gets better because Alec Kissina was so bad that he got released midseason. So <laughs> if we if we take him out and then we just add the guy that threw the next most innings, which would be Garrison Bryant, that 583 ERA gets bumped up to a 607 collective ERA for their starters. <sighs> that is something That's else. That's crazy. That's just like. And it's not even like we're talking about like Pacific Coast League or anything like that. I mean, Eastern League generally is considered like a slightly pitching favorable we're environment. New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess it doesn't really matter when you have uh, Jose Chassi and Alex Alverde, David Griffin, Jesus Vargas logging most of your innings. And I think a lot of it, I know the offense was bad, but how are you even supposed to compete when your starters are doing that to you? <laughs> well, they didn't, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's okay, because relief pitching was good, right, guys? No. No. <clears throat> no. Um. The top five relievers. So I'll just pick the guys that, that appeared in the most games. Yezo Campos, Mitch Ragan, Josh Hedgka, Hunter Parsons, and Willie Tavares. They appeared in the most games. They loved the most innings. They had a combined 552 ERA. Their actual best relievers were Daniel Nunez, 
and um, Joe Zangi. Nunez, the Mets lost him in the uh, uh, the Rule 5 draft a couple of years ago from the Giants, but then he got returned because he needed Tommy John surgery. And Joe Zangi is a guy, he's been around for a while now, and I think he's actually going to be a free agent this winter since he signed in 2016. So I think all those guys are, are due up now. But they were basically the only guys that logged any significant amount of innings and were not bad. And they are kind of guys that if you squint, maybe you could see some major league utility there. But, you know, you kind of have to squint. This is, I think this is perhaps the most interesting point to touch on on this roster. And I don't want to give the Mets any sort of uh, pass for their, let's call it subpar management this season. But there is it, it is worth mentioning that some of the stuff the team dealt with is a little out of their control, right? If you're coming in as a new regime, you're not going to be able to install an entire pipeline of MLB-ready, optionable arms immediately, and that's something that hurt the Mets, honestly. And, and the Binghamton bullpen is a pretty good example of how big a problem this is and that it's probably not going to get any better next year or the year after. Well, for the Mets as a whole, no, I don't think so. But for Binghamton, I think there is a silver lining that they will be better next year. Not just because it's really hard to be worse than they actually were. Uh huh. But I think, you know, Binghamton might actually be good next year because the Cyclones, who we'll talk about next week in more depth, they ended the season in the playoffs. They won the division. And presumably many, if not most of those players are going to start the 2023 season in Binghamton, or at least play sometime in Binghamton. So there's that. And then same thing with the players that spent time in St. Lucie. St. Lucie, were, they were 17 games over 500 for the year. They won the Florida State League Championships. Some of those guys are going to end up in Binghamton before the end of the season, especially the higher-end guys, the, 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 the Kevin Paradas, the Blade Tidwells. Mm-hmm. Those guys are going to log some amount of games and innings in, in St. Lucie next year. I mean, excuse me, in Binghamton next year. So combine, you know, a lot of those standouts at Brooklyn with some of those higher premium talents that were in St. Lucie, put them all in a roster in Binghamton, and, you know, maybe you have a pretty interesting team. Yeah, I mean... Couldn't be much worse than the one, especially especially once Beatty and Alvarez were gone. There was not. Well, why, why are you watching a Binghamton Rumble Ponies game? Yeah, yeah, it's. It was not good. It wasn't fun. They weren't good. Someone's about to at me on Twitter with Ronnie Mauricio's uh, uh, Dominican League stats. He's walked three times. Oh, hell not, yeah. I do not care. That's more than he walked in the entire month of August. It's true. <laughs> that actually might be true. I don't know. Now I feel like I have to actually look that up. I'll look it up. <laughs> All right, well. Paragraphs. Ronnie Mauricio. Because <laughs> if someone's going to shit on Ronnie Mauricio on this podcast, it's going to be me, damn it. That is true. That is true. Game well, actually, I feel, like, I feel like Mauricio actually started walking a bit more towards the end of the season. So check, like, maybe, like... May Check August. I'm checking August for August. Okay. Nope, you were correct. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. We're running ratio in 108 at uh, 110. Oh, I just gave it away, didn't I? 
two walks. That's crazy. Ten plate appearances. I just don't that's, know how you do that. That's crazy. That is a one percent walk. <laughs> ah! That's oh, a boy. That's oh. a oof. Well, um, assuming that he's going to be in Syracuse next year, and I don't know, maybe maybe Binghamton is not high up uh, up enough for him to raise his walk rate. Maybe he needs to go further up north, to, and then his walk rate will go further up north too. I don't know. Hopefully, he puts everything together, and then I don't know the Mets trade him or something. I'd be surprised if he's in the organization. Really? Next year. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, because he gets traded. Okay, okay. Yeah. The only I way he stay, he might still be in the organization because no one else wants him is the problem. Even though, still, I think at some point the Mets just don't have much to trade, and mm. you know, like if yeah. if you're trading with the Mets, who are you asking for? You're asking, unless you really don't like him, then you're just not trading with the Mets. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't even think you trade him for anything huge. I think you trade him for a reliever, and because there's you a million free re, reliever free agents, and you can't conceivably fill them all with free agents because that's just too guys are going to choose other people at some point. It's just how life works. You're not going to be able to convince your top five targets to sign, even if you bring back Diaz, and I guess. I don't know, Adovino comes back or something. You still there's still a lot of arms you need to replace. What a frustrating prospect Ronnie Mercy was. Alright, so that is the show for the week. And if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at Sad Met Season SZN. Damn, it's it's still a Sad Met Season. I mean, I, I, it's it's all about <sighs> consistency, and the yeah. Mets are nothing but consistently sad. You said you said you'd change it when they win the World Series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did they win the World Series? No. Then the name is not changed. <laughs> Oh, well. Um, subscribe to the podcast wherever you got your podcast from. Rate and review. And, of course, we thank you for listening. And we will be back next week. So until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets. Love the Mets.